0: Okay, praise the Lord. This is Dr. Ruth. I continue here with Matthew chapter 13. So we would title this session, Matthew chapter 13b. It is a continuation. I pick it up here in verse 24, which begins the second teaching of the Lord Jesus Called the Parable of the Wits, okay. Um, and for those of you who are familiar with the King James Bible, I believe King James uh, calls this the Parable of the weeds and the Tares. But I am using NIV. NIV calls it the Parable of the weeds Same thing, just titled differently. So I pick it up here in verse 24. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. By the way, let me pause there. What I want to explain is that this is another parable which the Lord Jesus himself explains, okay, in verses 36 through 43. So I am not going to do a lot of teaching on this uh, particular parable because when we get to verse 36, the Lord Jesus explained this much better than I could ever do. So just give you, uh, I want to give you heads up. Okay. Uh, so I pick it up here in verse 25, but while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed wheat among the wheat and went away. Now, let me just highlight a few uh, things here. Just so you know, this parable, just like the parable of the sower, have certain key elements. Okay, Uh, just keep in mind as we are going that the good seed in uh, the good seed here is referring to genuine Christians or a genuine believer of Jesus Christ, and the field here is referring to the world. Okay, just so you know. Okay, uh, let me go back there and repeat verse 25. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy, obviously, the, the, the devil, came and sowed weeds. Okay, the weeds here represent unbelievers or evildoers. So weeds uh, were planted among the wheat. Okay, so keep in mind the weeds, W-E-E-D-S, represent unbelievers or demonic Forces and the wheat w-h-e-a-t represents a genuine Christian. So again, we see the Lord using uh, farming type of uh, Illustration here to teach about the kingdom of God Okay, verse 26 when the wheat sprouted and formed heads Then the wheat also appeared. So already we see the wheat and the weed growing side by side, okay? Obviously, you can figure this out. The Lord is teaching how in this world, mm-hmm, and many times in the church, you would have genuine believers and unbelievers cohabited side by side, okay? Take note of that. Verse 27, The owner's servant came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? where then did the weeds come from verse 28 an enemy did this he replied the servants asked him do you want us to go and pull them up verse 29 no he answered because while you are pulling the weeds you may uproot the wheat with them verse 30 let both grow together until the harvest at that time I will tell the harvesters first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn major principles here okay right away I think this is obvious but let me point this to you the harvesters here is referring to the angels of the Lord uh, that would play a significant role In end times and obviously the parable of the wheat is pertaining to end times and as we can see here the most interesting thing is that the Lord said that the the weed or weeds unbelievers and the wheat believers cohabitate so what are the principles here boy in church what we call the body of Christ what we call the physical church, what we see, or even in a meeting. Remember, according to the Lord Jesus, when two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in their midst. So when there is a couple of believers gathered, that is a church. What the Lord is saying in any type of setting like that, there are always believers and unbelievers cohabitating side by side which has led some Bible scholars to coin the phraseology, the visible and the invisible church. What is the visible church? The visible church is what you and I can see with our naked eyes when we go to church or when we go to a meeting, say like my meetings or my events, that is the visible church, i.e. the visible gathering of so-called believers. But there is the invisible church. Meaning that only God knows his own. Mm-hmm. This is scary if you meditate on this. There are people who go to church, who go to Christian meetings and gatherings that are not genuinely saved. <laughs> this is scary. And they look just like genuine christians at least outwardly meaning that they they sing their hallelujahs and they give to god's work and and they come every sunday they even pretend to read the bible but only god knows whether they are truly saved because at the end all things are exposed friend we have to just take note that not everyone who goes to church is genuinely saved which is why in my own ministry I make it my goal after each meeting to give people the opportunity to accept Christ because you just never know. You just never know. We should always proclaim the gospel and give people the opportunity to come to a genuine knowledge of Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. So that is a major application there. We should not always assume. We should just always keep this in mind. And just as we get to know people in church, as we get to meet people at various Christian gatherings, just get into discussions about who the Lord is. And you would be amazed that many people have erroneous impression about what salvation is. Okay. I have met people in church or talked to people in my meetings who just believe that, oh, by just coming to church or because they were raised in a Christian home, that qualifies them for a, uh, for being a Christian, and I, I have had to teach people that no, salvation is personal. You have to personally invite the Lord Jesus into your heart. And just by virtue of talking to people casually and and gotten to know that they were not truly saved, even though they believed they were saved, I had educated them how to genuinely come to the Lord, and they have just genuinely asked the Lord to come into their heart, and they have been genuinely saved. Okay? Going to church does not make you a Christian. Mm-hmm. Going to a Christian gathering does not make you a Christian. Being raised in a Christian home does not make you a Christian. You know what makes you a Christian? Honestly, acknowledging your spiritual bankruptcy, your need for Jesus Christ, acknowledging that he died on that cross for your sins and that on the third day he was raised from the dead, believing that in your heart and personally asking the Lord Jesus to come into your heart. That is what makes you a genuine believer. So if you've not done that ever in your life and you've been going to church and reading the Bible, then Jesus doesn't know you. To solve that problem, just ask Jesus to come into your heart right now and he will, okay? And another interesting thing about this parable is that though the believer and unbelievers cohabitated side by side and uh, the Lord Jesus is the only one at the end times that will expose those who are truly his and those who are are counterfeit and um, because think about this if you are a gardener if you plant let's say a seed of tomatoes and you leave it there over time uh, sometimes other types of weeds may grow around the tomatoes so if you if you get offended Uh, because the other types of weeds are growing around the tomato and you prematurely uproot the tomato, you would uproot the other weeds too. So it's the same kind of concept that the Lord uh, is teaching here that no, the the believers and unbelievers will cohabitate until the end time. Again, another thing is coming to heart right now, which really explains why we should always preach the gospel. God is giving people enough time to repent okay hello friends this is dr ruth here thank you for joining me today i would like to share with you our ministry offer that is available to you as a donation to this ministry throughout my teachings out of the gospels so i have two resources that i know will bless you tremendously because this two books have blessed hundreds of people so the two books all have to do with the ministry of jesus christ so the first one is titled who is the real jesus and the second one is titled are you moving forward with jesus so for a ministry donation of 50 dollars or more this includes shipping and handling if you live here in the usa We will mail these two books to you today. Okay? It will provide added clarity, added teaching about the Gospels, the ministry of Jesus, the work of Christ. These are phenomenal resources that would add into the teaching here. I'm doing in the Gospels and, and help you to really have a deeper revelation and walk with the Lord. So, again this comes to us as a donation and we thank you in advance for considering that again the books are who is the real jesus and the other one is are you moving forward with jesus for a ministry donation of 50 dollars or more if you live in the usa but if you cannot afford both books and you just want one it's okay too we thank you for your donation so who is the real jesus For a donation of $25 or more, including shipping and handling. And then the other book, Are You Moving Forward With Jesus, would be $35, including shipping and handling. We will mail these books to you today. The advantage of getting both books is that you would save $10. Okay? So, again, this ministry offer is only available for those who live within the USA because we cannot ship overseas. But if you live overseas and you're listening to me, you can get these books from Amazon. So here is how you can donate through us directly to get this book as a ministry offer. Our safe and secure website is drruthtanyi.org donate. Again, drruthtanyi.org donate and then uh, if you live in the USA we also receive donations through Zelle and here's the telephone number for Zelle 9095019031 again 9095019031 and then we also accept donations through Cash App and the name there is the dollar sign Dr Ruth Tanya. Or if you just want to bless us with a one-time donation to help us produce more teachings like this and pay for studio time, we thank you abundantly uh, from the bottom of our hearts and God says thank you. And God is so faithful that he will bless you back abundantly, exceedingly. So I want to thank you in advance for purchasing these additional ministry resources to help you to gain a better revelation of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Again, we thank you. Here is the teaching. All right, moving on here to the next parable, the third parable and the fourth one, the parables of the mustard seed and the yeast. The mustard seed is parable number three. The yeast is parable number four. Let's go over the first one, uh, verse 31. He told them another parable. This is the Lord Jesus now. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Verse 32, though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and and perch in its branches. This is pretty much self-explanatory. We see the Lord using a mustard seed, which is considered a very tiny seed, yet had exponential growth. Likewise, what the Lord is teaching here is the kingdom of God has small beginnings. Okay, Think about you coming to God, you begin as a baby Christian, but over time you yield much, much exponential results as you stay faithful to God's uh, teaching. And also another principle here is that the kingdom of God will eventually be realized for its greatness. Especially at the second coming of Jesus Christ when he sets up his physical kingdom. Okay, so the kingdom of God in you may begin as a tiny mustard seed, but eventually exponential growth will be realized. Okay, moving on to the fourth uh, parable here, which is a parable of the yeast. Verse thirty-three. He told them still another parable: the kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about sixty pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. Hallelujah! This has direct application to our individual lives. All of these parables do. But think about a yeast. Before I even say what I I want to teach here, in the Old Testament we talked about for those of you who have listened to me and the old testament in many passages discuss yeast as a type of sin or evil but here we see the lord jesus using yeast as a positive uh, element in our lives so going back to what i want to say if you've ever used yeast for baking i have tiny tiny yeast you put into a dough and it has to walk its way sometimes you have to give it several hours to walk its way through the dough, and eventually it rises likewise the kingdom of god in us walk in a process just as that yeast walks its way through the door through the process of time the kingdom of god is manifested in our individual lives through a process of time as we take the word of god we meditate on it we stand by his promises we become steadfast on looking at jesus christ the author and finisher of our faith we would be walking the kingdom of god in us like that little yeast and eventually we would see exponential results of peace joy fruitfulness boldness and ability to be a good witness for christ hallelujah so never never dismiss or um uh, diminish the value of small beginnings or being a brand new believer in christ it's a process and god is with you okay moving on here to uh, verse 34 jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables he did not say anything to them without using a parable so was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet this is verse 35 i had already explained that i will open my mouth in parables i will utter things hidden since the creation of the world i had already explained why the lord jesus had to teach using parables okay now let's get to uh verse verses 36 all the way to verse 43 we'll now explain the parable of the wits. okay i'm going to read these verses which are self-explanatory and i had already explained some of that okay verse 36 then he left the crowd and went into the house his disciples came to him and said explain to us the parable of the wheat in the field verse 37 he answered this is the lord the one who sowed the good seed is the son of man remember the good seed is the son of man represents jesus christ the good seed the believer and there you go verse 38 the field is the world i explained that already and the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom You see what I just explained? Self-explanatory. The weeds are the people of the evil one. I explained that already. Verse 39. And the enemy who sows them is the devil. I had explained that. The harvest is the end of the age and the harvesters are angels. So we see how angels will play a crucial role at end times. Verse 40. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. Verse 41, the son of man will send out his angels and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do do evil. Verse 42, they will throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and garnishing of teeth. Verse 43. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Ha, ha, ha. Whoa. Let me point out a few things the Lord made very clear here. One thing that the Lord did here, there is a stark contrast between the, the end result of the believers and unbelievers. Right here. One, the unbelievers will end up... Hmm... In fire, hell, and the believers will shine, okay, in God's righteousness. So we see see how this whole thing is going to end. And also the Lord said there will be weeping and garnishing of teeth. That is describing extreme, intense, deep anxiety and remorse. Friend, if you are listening to me for the first time, Or for those of you who are listening to me and are Christians and you don't believe that hell is real, the Lord Jesus just said it here. Those were his words, not mine. Hell is just as real as heaven is real. But hell is not up to God for anyone to go to hell. God doesn't control any of our eternal destiny. We decide how Jesus Christ... Is what makes us either end up in hell, in hell or heaven. And hell is not just for people who practice evil. Hell is for everyone who willfully reject Jesus Christ. Hell is real. So if you are thinking that hell is not real, this is the Lord Jesus describing what hell will be like: hell, fire, deep remorse. Okay, and later on, Jesus will will teach us that. People in hell have full consciousness. So hell is real. Okay. So um, I think that is all I want to uh, discuss in this uh, parable here, which is pretty much self-explanatory. Uh, so we move right along here to the very next parable. I think is the fifth and the sixth parable. Uh, Parable, And even before I I get to verse 44 here, which begins the 5th and the 6th parable, I want to just highlight the Lord Jesus' last sentence there, whoever has ears, let them hear. Like I said earlier, the Lord is not talking about physical ears. He's talking about your heart. Whoever has a willing heart to listen to what I'm saying about hell being real, listen. Today is a day the Lord has made. So rejoice in it as you proceed with the rest of your day. I am Chris Oram. Goodbye.